Wedge Issues is brought to you by WISPolitics.com, a place where political insiders go for news, opinion, and campaign information. Once again, that's WISPolitics.com. You've heard from Tony Evers, a Democratic candidate for governor on this podcast. Now it's time to hear from his running mate. Mandela Barnes is a former state representative, and he is running for lieutenant governor of Wisconsin. Like me, he is a millennial and an only child. Unlike me, he likes to run, and he drinks oatmeal smoothies. Of course, there is much more to him than all of that, and you will hear about it in just a few minutes. But first, let's catch up on what's happening in the news this week. Welcome back to Wedge Issues, Jason Joyce. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Good. Busy week. It has been. Yeah. We had a an unnatural occurrence when the Marquette University Law School poll came out on a Tuesday this week. Insanity. Right. This throws a, a monkey wrench into every reporter's week because as uh, some of our skeptical readers have pointed out, all the reporters in the state drop whatever they're doing and watch breathlessly the Marquette poll uh, results every month when they come out. It's true. I mean, it's a big rollout. It's like an hour-long show. There's a lot of theater involved, which we learned when Charles Franklin was in here. He Mm -hmm. almost was a theater major, so maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, Uh, yeah, we get a little little criticism for how closely we pay attention to this poll. But it's it's the real deal. I mean, it is predictive and um, accurate. And not only that, but it's a it's a wide ranging survey of Wisconsinites about important you know issues. It is, and the fact is, it's. Pretty much all we have that is here on a consistent level, uh, pulling the same questions of Wisconsinites regularly. Um, It's fully transparent in its methodology and the questions that are asked. So it is, for better or worse, the best we've got here in Wisconsin. And, you know, it's good to remind people that polls are a snapshot in time. They are not necessarily meant to be a crystal ball. They are a snapshot of what voters told the people conducting the poll at that time. And those results are reported back. And then we report them to readers. Yeah. So what did we learn this week? Uh, We learned that Tony Evers appears to be up over Scott Walker by about five points among likely voters. This is a bit of a jump for him from the previous month. Um, We've also got Tammy Baldwin leading Leah Vukmir. At the same time, Brad Schimmel, the Republican attorney general, is leading his Democratic opponent, Josh Call. Big difference between those races is the AG race. Still not a lot of name recognition for either candidate, but especially for Josh Call. I think 87 percent of people still don't know who he is. That's certainly not the case in the Senate and governor's races. If you want to get really nerdy, you can talk about the sampling on this. This sample included more Democratic voters than the previous month, which some criticized the previous month for, uh, in theory, oversampling Republican voters. Um, this is a little more even mix of Republicans, Democrats, and independents. And that's where we're at now. Yeah, good. And and there will be one more Marquette poll before the election? I think that is correct. Okay. 
Watch our Twitter. We'll watch and tweet <laughs> breathlessly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it or not. So uh, one of the big issues in the governor's race this week was a debate over uh, what each candidate has done and is doing about the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. Can you lay that out for us? Right. So right now um, – there is a lawsuit in the works. Um, Brad Schimmel is heading that up with 19 other states. Scott Walker has you know, given his approval for that lawsuit. The lawsuit's seeking to strike down the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, basically do what Congress ultimately failed in, in doing despite repeated efforts. Um, at the same time that this is happening, Governor Walker and his running mate, uh, Rebecca Clayfish have said repeatedly, you know, we will protect people with pre-existing conditions. You know, a big component of the Affordable Care Act is that it tells insurers that they can't charge more or deny coverage to people who have pre-existing conditions. So people are concerned if Obamacare is overturned and an adequate replacement isn't put in place, uh, people with pre-existing conditions won't be protected anymore. That's been a big tenet of the Tony Evers Mandela Barnes argument is that Scott Walker has authorized this lawsuit to go after the Affordable Care Act and if it is no longer on the books, you know, who's to say what Wisconsin will have in place to protect those with pre-existing conditions. Um, the Walker Clayfish campaign came back with an ad featuring Rebecca Clayfish. Both she and Tony Evers, interestingly enough, are cancer survivors. Yeah. Um, but she talked about her experience and said, as long as they're in office, there will be a mechanism in place to protect people with pre-existing conditions. And the promise was that if you know this lawsuit is successful and there isn't something already in place, that Walker would call a special session and bring the legislature back in to require that. Right. And we, of course, don't really know what the legislature would do if such a thing were to happen. Presumably, a bill would emerge and there would be agreement and they would pass it, but no guarantees. Yeah, this is similar legislation was already introduced. Walker called for this and I think it was January and the assembly did pass a bill that would make this requirement, um, but the Senate never took it up and it's not clear why that was. Yeah. So, uh, so Rebecca Clayfish um, being front and center on this issue from the Walker campaign, she was also involved in some controversy this week with this week's podcast guest, uh, Democratic Lieutenant Governor candidate Mandela Barnes. That's right. And, you know, the, the timing of the recording of this, I recorded my interview with Mandela Barnes last week. Some developments have occurred since then in this issue, which we've been talking about for at least a week now uh, yeah. over the debate of of kneeling during NFL uh, games during the national anthem. This all came to a head when Rebecca Clayfish said that she had heard from people that Mandela Barnes had kneeled during the national anthem at the Wisconsin State Fair earlier this summer. Mandela Barnes said that was a lie. She said she didn't actually see it herself. She was busy looking at the flag, but her you know people who were there had told her this. She repeated the claim. She has since apologized for repeating that claim, which she acknowledged she you know doesn't know doesn't have any any way to back it up. So um, I think, you know, both of them are trying to move forward from this argument. But we do talk about that. I do talk about that with Mandela Barnes during this interview today. So um, when you're listening, people should remember that you know, some things have changed even since we spoke. Absolutely. And to tease a future episode of the podcast, we have an interview with Rebecca Clayfish in the can. That's right. She came in uh, this week. She will be next week's guest on the episode. Outstanding. So 
I mean, Wedge Issues is really your source for news about this campaign of all stripes, but particularly in the next couple weeks for lieutenant governor action. That's right. And we will we will have even more candidates coming in that listeners haven't heard from yet. Got it. Vocal exercises. Lanolin. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I'm super ready. Good. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, tee you off and just ask you why you're running for lieutenant governor. Yep. So uh, I am Mandela Barnes running for lieutenant governor, uh, running because our state has a need to restore and expand opportunity. Uh, we have a duty to people that we have not been fulfilling. I've been very open about, you know, I talk about my story my grandfather, mostly, who moved to Milwaukee after he served in World War II. Uh, he had a family-sustaining job at A.O. Smith. He was a union member, a union leader. And, you know, that same shot at the middle class, that same chance uh, for success does not exist for people in my generation, our generation. Uh, it's very unfortunate that we've turned the clock backwards. But things can change when you change leadership in a state like Wisconsin, which is in dire need of it. We need to work to expand health care. We need to fully fund our public schools. We need to be very diligent uh, about protecting our environment. We haven't done that, and we need to get on the right path. So when I first met you, it was a few years ago, and you were in the state legislature um, representing Milwaukee. It's been a few years since then. Some time's gone by. Um, what's the path been from the legislature to your campaign for lieutenant governor? There has been some time this past. Uh, some said I plateaued <laughs> in my mid-20s. <laughs> Who um, would say that? My friends, actually. Okay. Uh, only my friends. <laughs> but no, uh, so since I've been out of the assembly, I've had the opportunity to work for a group called State Innovation Exchange. Uh, we provide research and policy support to progressive state legislators across the country. And it's equipping them to lead with a vision to, you know, stand for something and actually promote good public policy, whether you're in the majority or the minority. You know, if you're in the minority, you don't want to stay there. You don't want to languish. You want to actually be effective and bring up critical issues that are important to the people of your state. And for the legislators who do have uh, the good fortune of being in the majority, uh, we want to help them to also be effective so that uh, you're not just getting elected for the sake of being elected. You're actually working hard to improve the lives of people in your given jurisdiction. You ran for state senate in that time, too, uh, unsuccessfully. But uh, what, what, yeah, what, what, what an emphasis on unsuccessfully. <laughs> well, I just wanted to let people you, know that you hadn't you, you, been elected to the ba- state senate. You lost bad, Mandela. Well, yeah, that, that's true. It was not a pretty <laughs> pretty election outcome for you. What, yeah. did you. what did you learn from that race? I learned a lot. I probably learned uh, more in losing that race than I learned when I won my first race. Uh, learned what not to do. Like what? (laughs) Not not, not every incumbent is uh, as vulnerable as you may think, you know, and it can be easy to get trapped in a bubble. And, uh, you know, again, it was an exciting race. I feel like we did most things right, but the timing was off. But that's okay. I mean, that happens is, you know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, I I found out my mother, so election night a couple weeks ago, or last month, I should say, my mother just went up to random strangers who to her, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so glad my baby won." And she's like, "I remember, you know, you know, two years ago that boy didn't leave a house." And just you know, just spilling, oh, the, just spilling the beans, right? 
just, but yeah, she's like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm happy this happened. <laughs> Couldn't deal with a depressed kid again. Could, could not. Yeah, she didn't. Oh, she didn't deal with that. So. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was one of those things. Uh, I made the choice. I made the decision uh, to get in that race, and I still don't have regrets. You know, obviously, would have wanted it to go the other way, but how things worked out. I had the opportunity to work for this wonderful organization. I had the opportunity to travel, uh, meet a lot of people, and get involved in some really important policy work. So ultimately, it worked out. Even if I never ran for lieutenant governor, the work that I was able to be a part of, it was very fulfilling. I got to, you know, the things that were not going to happen in Wisconsin just because of who the governor is, how the legislature looks, we saw some really great things happen uh, across the country. You said something about your your state senate race about uh, not every incumbent is as weak as you think they are. You're running now against a pretty strong incumbent uh, ticket in terms of their election histories and, and wins. Do you think uh, Scott Walker and Rebecca Clayfish are weaker than they have been in previous elections? Oh, absolutely. Uh, not only are they weaker, I think that uh, our ticket is just stronger. Uh, I tell people all the time, you know, just from top to bottom, whether it's Tony, whether it's Josh, whether it's Sarah, whether it's our amazing candidates in the Assembly and the Senate, uh, some amazing people have stepped up to run, and Governor Walker is facing opposition like he's never faced before. Uh, and it's because we're not just playing defense. It's because we're actually talking about things uh, that are important. And you know, I look back in previous election cycles, and it's very hard for me as someone who's been active, uh, 2010, 2014, uh, to look and point back and say, well, we ran on this issue? And you know, it's, it's very hard. I don't, I don't really recall uh, this year. We know what the message is. We we actually we have a message that is not just anti Scott Walker. Uh, people have had eight years to know how damaging he's been as a governor. Uh, people are very familiar with him. It's not our job to familiarize people uh, with Governor Walker's failures. It is our job to familiarize people with our plan for opportunity. What initially drove you to get involved in politics? You were kind of involved at the community level before you ran for the state legislature. What what sparked that? So, yeah, I'll say, uh, I guess we can take it back to college. Uh, I was very involved in student government. NAACP, was a, we had a very strong college chapter at my school at Alabama A&M University in Huntsville, Alabama. And I finished college in 2008, and that's when you know Barack Obama was on his way to becoming the uh, Democratic nominee for president. And it was a very inspiring time. And it was something that I was like, all right, I want to be a part of this in some way. And I took a job as a field organizer. I thought I was going to be working on the Obama campaign, but <laughs> it was actually a congressional race in northwest Louisiana. And um, It's a little different. A little bit different, right? Uh, but, you know, still same call, still fighting the, fighting the good fight. And, you know, we end up losing that race by 350 votes, which is a heartbreaker, right? And uh, But it was there where I was like, yeah, I'm having a good time organizing, working with people, working in different communities uh, to get them out to vote, to you know, promote a candidate. And after that, I moved back to Milwaukee and uh, interned in Tom Barrett's office even after college, even after I had work experience. And it was an unpaid internship. And then they said, well, we got a position open. Uh, it's the receptionist. And I was like, eh, I'll probably pass. And jobless me <laughs> on my high horse. <laughs> Turned down a job, uh-huh. and my dad was livid. He said, what are you doing? And so uh, fortunately, came back a couple weeks later. They said, look, we know you know this isn't necessarily what you want to do, uh, but it could be helpful. And uh, I, I, I did accept the position. I was the receptionist in Tom Barrett's office for some time. Uh, long story short, went back into organizing for a group called MICA. 
um, Milwaukee Inner City Congregations Ally for Hope, where we work to organize uh, interfaith organizations, churches, synagogues, mosques on issues of jobs and economic development, education, immigration reform, and treatment instead of prison. You grow up in Milwaukee, and you've mentioned in other campaign stops and speeches, not just in Milwaukee, but in the most incarcerated zip code in the state, if not even the country by some measures. Um, how did that in particular, but also just your your life growing up in Milwaukee, how did that shape the person that you are now? Right. So born and raised in the city of Milwaukee, I uh, spent my, my, my early years, uh, 26 in Locust, uh, heart of 53206 zip code, which is our state's poorest nation's most incarcerated zip code. And I just, this whole campaign, it, it doesn't matter where I go, I want to talk about that because it doesn't matter what zip code you come from. It doesn't matter where you live in this state. You should still have uh, a shot at opportunity. And that's what I've built my entire campaign around it because it's so easy for people, especially younger generations, to come up and not see many positive examples of, of, of what they could be. And I want to change the narrative when it comes to that. I want people to know uh, that it doesn't matter, but Wisconsin has to be a partner. Wisconsin has to be able to help provide some of that opportunity, again, by making sure that our schools are fully funded, uh, making sure that the environment is protected. You have a lot of issues, uh, environmental issues, that are of major concern that can ultimately uh, hinder a, uh, you know, the development of, of children, of young people in our state. And also, I mean, we have to create living wage jobs. Parents need to be able uh, to put food on the table. Parents need to be able to make sure that their children have access to quality and affordable health care. If not, uh, then we're going to continue down some of these very uh, dangerous roads that we've been going on for, for, for far too long in this state. Um, you brought up generation a couple times. You're a millennial. We are both millennials. I, I am a millennial. Yes. This is true. Uh, your running mate is not a millennial. We are we are 48 and a half years old. <laughs> That's how old we are. We're, is we that are, your, your average? We are, we are a ticket. Uh-huh. We are best buds. <laughs> Our fate will be the same on November 6th. We are 48 and a half years old. Okay, you together are 48 and a half years. That makes you a Gen X, right? Oh, well. Together you know, that's, as a ticket. That's the are. average. Anyway, what? <laughs> what is your perspective, your generational perspective, bring to this race? Yeah, so coming into uh, coming into this race is a perspective that we haven't seen in a general election uh, statewide. Uh, it's, it's different. I'm happy to bring that perspective. I'm happy to provide it because we are going to be the first generation to do worse than our predecessors yeah. if things continue down this path. That means, you know, whether it's college affordability, whether it's repaying student loans, whether it's access to living wage jobs. I mean, so many of my friends, so many people, so many of my peers, you know, they're in the gig economy where they work in multiple jobs, no access to health care, no vacation time, no retirement savings. That's dangerous. That's dangerous for, for our entire economy. And if we don't have leaders who are who even under, who understand that, because when they go home uh, or when in leisure time, their conversations aren't about these things because that's not who they talk to on a regular basis. And this now becomes a we conversation, not a they conversation. I've also been a part you know, of an un, I've also been a victim of an uncertain economy. There was a point where I got laid off from a job where my job was to help people find jobs. <laughs> God. You know, I've, I've bartended in the last, you know, eight years, right? Those are things, you know, this is this is what we do. And there's nothing, uh, bar, you can make a lot of good money bartending. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, th- that wasn't the path that I thought I would be on, right? Yeah. So there are so many people who go to college, get a degree, uh, 
struggle to pay back student loans. You know, uh, healthcare is unaffordable. It's it, it's a disaster. It's a disaster, and you know we need people, uh, leaders, candidates who are going to be able to talk about those issues, and we need people in elected office who are going to advocate on those issues. You uh, mentioned your your team, your your best buds, forty eight and a half years old together. But, so Wisconsin is, I mean, other states do this too, but it's a weird process in that you know voters go to the polls on primary day and they select a candidate for lieutenant governor and they select a candidate for governor and then those two candidates run together as a ticket after the fact and sometimes they like each other and get along and sometimes they don't it sounds like um it's a, been a positive experience so oh, yeah. far but yeah what's what's your relationship like with Tony Evers candidate for governor what is it like campaigning with him what do you guys both bring to the table Tony and I get along great and many of our stops I, I tell people this is going to be your new favorite sitcom <laughs> Tony Mandela's show uh-huh. uh, two, just two unlikely partners two unlikely best buds traveling in the state and uh, it's, it's been great you know one thing Tony talks about eating an egg McMuffin all the time or uh-huh. two egg McMuffins I do not um, <laughs> I do it every now and then you know I, I take one for the team Tony but uh, he eats egg McMuffins and I, uh, I'm, I'm committed to taking him to get some avocado toast we're going to have some intergenerational dialogue alright <laughs> and uh, we're gonna have some <laughs> avocado toast and a smoothie I don't even I don't even eat avocado toast like that but we're going to do this for my generation mm-hmm. and I'm going to make sure that Tony understands our needs our wants and desires as millennials <laughs> uh, but other than that I mean Tony's got a great sense of humor. Like, the guy is actually fun to be around. Uh, I've gotten to know he, him and his wife. Uh, I've, I've talked to his wife about him when she gets upset with him about certain things. <laughs> <laughs> Never anything major, but it's, it's, it's pretty funny. It's, it's been a great experience so far. Uh, the pictures you see are genuine. You know, I, I, I never felt like I had to fake it with him. Tell me something that you've learned about him that has surprised you since you started running together. Tony does not seem like a guy with a sense of humor on the outside, but you're around him. That guy's he's funny. <laughs> Tony Tony is Tony is funny. Yeah, and uh, he has some very unique observations about life. I didn't know he had a degree in zoology either. He yeah, kinda, he he like inched towards it. Like he'll say, yeah, "I got a degree in science." Then another speech a couple weeks later, a few days later, I like he had a degree in biology, and ultimately like zoology came out. So Where did all that right, come from? Well, great, cool. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Let's do it. That's, yeah. I wouldn't expect that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so the position of lieutenant governor isn't really given a lot of statutory duties other than you would succeed if if need be uh, to the governor's seat. But different lieutenant governors have interpreted the job differently, done different things. Um, How do you envision yourself in that position? What do you think the LG should do? Yeah, so um, again, we know what the legislature looked like. during my time, and I introduced a lot of pieces of legislation, a lot of bills, and I feel like there is some unfinished work, and I want to be involved in the legislative process. I still maintain my relationships in the legislature, actually on both sides, and you know, a lot of uh, a lot of members uh, came out in support of my campaign in the primary very early, and even on the Republican side. Like when I announced, Jim Steinecke was one of the first people I heard from uh, on election night. Jim Steinecke was one of the first people who texted me. So uh, maintaining those relationships is, I, I hope, will be key to my role as lieutenant governor because I do want to uh, make sure that we are as effective as we can be, making sure that we're working to push a very bold agenda because I want to govern like we only have 90 days to do it. You know, I want to I want to do it like a trial run. Scott Walker, when he got elected, when he took office, uh, he, he he treated the governor's office like it was a rental car. 
you know, he did everything he could, right? He just he just went right for it. And I, I think that, you know, if there were, if someone ever asked me uh, if I had anything, you know, what do I have nice to say about it or was he done right, is his approach. His approach is right, although I disagree with the overwhelming piece of big name legislation, like the, you know, the big stuff, right? But like, albeit uh, his approach was was something that, you know, we could take a page out of that book because people oftentimes will say, you know, Democrats don't do enough. They don't fight hard enough. You know, well, that changes. That changes. From your time in the legislature, you, you were in the partisan minority there, and that still could very well be the case that Republicans hold the majority in the legislature. How do you, you, you mentioned you've got friends across the aisle. How do you potentially see yourself working with a Republican legislature if that is the case? You know, uh, and a lot of times also, if, if that is the case, if we don't have a majority uh, in, in both houses or if we only have the majority in one house, it goes back to organizing uh, because people, I, I do I'd have a great feeling about this election. I do think that we will win. But when legislators aren't willing to act in the interest of the people they represent, that's when it's time to you know, employ organizing tactics and organizing strategy where we go to communities, host town hall meetings about the issues uh, that they aren't being supportive of. If they don't want to, I mean, look how popular expansion of healthcare is. It's a, it's a very important issue. Uh, the issue of schools very important. And if they fail to act on those issues, then we have to we have to take that message to their backyards, very literally. Being in the minority, it's hard to pass legislation. You've introduced a lot of bills, though. What are you proud of from your time in the legislature? Are there things that you managed to accomplish from a legislative perspective? Is it more about messaging and forming relationships, or um, I guess what do you what do you look back on from that? I mean, given how deep we were in the minority, it was it was messaging, yeah. but also other critical issues like Lincoln Hills, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Representative Evan Goyke and myself introduced a bill to just study a different model of, of juvenile corrections. Uh, we didn't get a we didn't see the light, that bill didn't see the light of day. Yeah, it wouldn't have changed anything. It only called for the legislature to study uh, what the impact would be if we tried a different model. And now, uh, you know, obviously we saw the governor got on board once the issue got much larger than he ever thought it would get. He thought it was something uh, that could be swept under the rug. He thought it was something that people wouldn't pay too much attention to, but it it, it, got, it got way more publicity than he thought it would ever get. But, you know, even introducing or working on legislation like community schools, I mean, just the things that were important, the things that I talked about as a candidate when I ran for the assembly, those are the issues that I continue to talk about as a legislator. Those are the bills I, I still introduce, the bills that I, you know, at least try to get a public hearing on. And uh, it, while they didn't get passed, uh, I that's fine, right? But it had to be it had to be talked about, and it also put them in a position, you know, even down the line. It's like, all right, well, we had a long time to address the crisis. And uh, with, with our schools, we had a long time to address the crisis uh, in, in corrections in this state. And if they didn't want to act, that was on them. But we made sure that the message was heard and that we were getting that out there as much as possible. And I, I worked as hard as I possibly could. Wedge Issues is sponsored by WISPolitics.com. You can become a WISPolitics.com member. Find out more at WISPolitics.com slash membership. So early on in the race, uh, you've already found yourself in the middle of a, a Twitter fight, which is apparently the way that things are now carried out in campaigns. But uh, 
bigger issue than the, the Twitter spat, but the governor called out one of your tweets recently over the issue of NFL athletes taking a knee, uh, kneeling during the national anthem. There's a lot of nuance here to explain how this came to be. He tweeted a screenshot of one of your old tweets. Um, I, I wasn't even found in the middle. One, I, I was sought out. <laughs> Two, he took a screenshot of a tweet that still exists. The tweet is still there. Like It's still there. He could have he he didn't at you. He could have quote tweeted me. He yeah. could have added me. Uh, but like, again, the governor ignores a lot of people that look like me in this state, which is why he hasn't you know ever visited a correctional institution, which is why Lincoln Hills issue got to the point that it got to. So not surprised that he all of a sudden uh, did not acknowledge my existence. Uh, this is very uh, on brand for the governor. Uh, so with that being said, the governor dragged me into this debate and we talked about it. And like the, the point was it, was, a, it was a tweet from Yahoo Sports that showed Donald Trump not knowing the words of the national anthem during mm-hmm. the same time uh, where he was very uh, inappropriately going after NFL players for taking a knee, uh, to which I said, the president should take a knee if he doesn't know the words. The governor made it what he wanted to make it. Uh, the lieutenant governor, uh, you know, came from the rafters. I don't know if you used to watch WCW, like Sting, <laughs> and just, just came down into the, into the, on, onto the mat and decided she wanted to say that her neighbors have seen me kneeling, which could not be more ridiculous. So that was interesting. It was very interesting. Have you... Have- I, I, when have I ever, ever, ever been anything to, to take a knee? You know, it's so ridiculous. I'm, I haven't played any sports professionally. For, I will never play sports professionally, but I haven't even been at a, at a point where I could take a knee. Like, I think I heard your your dad said you didn't turn out to be the athlete that he hopes. Now my you. dad is, you know, he he is. Uh, we'll get to my dad in a second. Okay, we'll come you back know, to that. Every, a lot of people want to misrepresent the facts. You know, sometimes <laughs> it's your own family. Sometimes <laughs> your dad. I, I, I need to remind my father. I did go all conference. <laughs> in what? I, I, in football. Okay. Okay. I, that was all conference. Okay. Also, uh, you know, I, my dad's never run a marathon, so we're. You we'll are get, you are a big runner. Yep. Dad, I hope you're listening. <laughs> Okay. Um, but back to back this to the thing. issue. But back to this, you know, uh, yeah, the lieutenant governor like just totally made up a story and wouldn't comment when uh, when somebody asked her about it. Uh, who, which one of your friends? And you know, would, would she call the police on me if I had a barbecue in her neighborhood? Maybe, probably. If she'll make this up. This is uh, going all over the place. Oh, we're all over the place. <laughs> um, are, are you shocked? No, no, I'm not. Um, so. Do you and Tony have the same position on this? He said he sort of, you know, he stands. Tony took Aaron Rodgers' position. Yeah. Tony took the same exact position Aaron Rodgers took, which is a, that's that's fine. That's That's fine. My position is not far from that. My position, yeah, if you want to take a knee, you should be able to take a knee. Uh, I mean, there's nothing more American than the right to protest. I think Beto O'Rourke broke it down very eloquently uh, for people who still don't get the issue. So, uh, again, that's, that's fine. Like, Tony's position and my position aren't really different. Yeah. Are there other areas where you guys are have a little bit of daylight between the two of you, or are you guys pretty much on the same page on I think, uh, everything? We're, we're on the same page with with, with the big picture, mm-hmm. and that's winning on November 6th. Uh, any issue there may be any slight difference. It's not enough to, to not enough to drive a wedge. <laughs> I had to get that in there. Wedge, yeah. Not enough to drive it. There's, no <laughs> there's no wedge issue between Tony and I. Right. There's no uh, philosophical, fundamental uh, disagreements that we have. Um, well, I, I, I was going to ask you to name something that Scott Walker and Rebecca Clayfish have done well. I think you have you did that already. I did that. Um, I did that. I, I'm, I probably can't get you to name anything else unless there's anything else you can think of. I mean, that's the thing, too. Uh, Rebecca Clayfish has taken the position and, you know, she's she's done her thing with it. Right. Mm-hmm. She's she's made it what she wanted to make it. 
uh, she's carved out a little niche for herself. So yeah, she's been a very active lieutenant governor. Good job with the niche. Uh, you ready to move into the lightning round? Or should we? We should go back to sports first. Actually, I showed up for the lightning round, but let's go back to sports then. Okay. Well, you you run, but your father is a little disappointed that. Well, athletically, I knew that he would never be the most valuable player on any team. Okay. You know, my dad. Like, that's that's one thing. You know, he it just it's always something. It's always something with that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I. Uh, he was he was disappointed that I didn't go further in football than he would have wanted me to go because he played college football and he's like oh well you know it was, there was some disappointment. Uh, he was once my basketball coach, interesting, which is why I stopped playing basketball. Yeah, no one wants their parent for a coach. My dad is tough. Yeah, that's I'm ready for any debate. <laughs> Having to deal with my dad, man. Yeah, love the guy to death. Great provider, you know. Yeah, was a, never missed a, never missed anything. Uh, but man. Whew, Tough. It's a lot of insight in the the video that your campaign put out to introduce yourself. We, we learned that your your dad was disappointed in your football prowess, and we got to hear your mom sing. Got to hear my mom sing. If you think my eyes are beautiful, it's because they're looking at you. That was fun. My mom was uh, if you songstress. Is that, a lot, did lot she people. sing the, so- the song in there? That Was that something she sang to you when you were... Growing up? Well, not growing up, but as a baby. As a baby, yeah. Yeah, and it's like uh, a lot of people ask, how could they vote for my mom <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead of me? Yeah. My mom stole the show, as yeah. she, she typically does. I am I am probably, people say like I look like both of my parents, but I am a personality mix of both of my parents. That's interesting. And you're an only child, right? Well, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They said, uh, we, we, Me too. We, me too. I know. They said, we, we got it done the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do better. We, we got, no, I, you said that, not me. <laughs> you said that, not me. I say that about myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lightning round. Lightning round. Favorite Wisconsin beer? My favorite Wisconsin beer. Well, you know, lots of stuff out there. A lot of craft brews. A lot of options. People, people want to give you these fancy answers and, and, you know, fancy themselves, you know, beer connoisseurs. But mm-hmm. let me tell you, a beer for any season any moment, any occasion, Miller High Life. Oh, you're so right. That's what I drink during the Packers That's game. That's what I'm saying. Yep. That's what I'm saying. I'm you're not, so I'm right. I'm not going to pre- pretend to be, you know, this 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 beer elitist. I drink yeah. the stuff. I'll I, I try it. But give me a high life. I'm going to have a good time. It's It'll a champagne cool. and beers. Yep. It is. It, that's not just a slogan. No, it's real. It's not a slogan. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Um, what's the best advice your parents or another loved one gave you growing up? So I would say, um, well, my, my parents gave me a lot of encouragement. Because <laughs> you're a millennial only child. Because I'm a millennial only child. Like, there's not even a specific thing. They're just like, you know what? If you want to do it, just go do it. Yeah. And that is good advice. That's good advice. You know? Yeah. Uh, what? Who is your political role model or role models? It's probably cliche, but definitely Barack Obama yeah. in, in, in many ways. Again, uh, when I was finishing college, you know, he was running for president, and that's what made me decide that, yeah, I'm going to pursue this uh, professionally in some way. Uh, also, I mean, his his story, too, as an organizer, and I worked for MICA. Barack Obama turned down the MICA job, actually. Really? At one point. He was almost the organizer in Milwaukee. Wow. Uh, he ended up in Chicago. It's a, it's in a, it's an organization, uh, Gamaliel, mm-hmm. that uh, is a part of the network. 
and he chose Chicago instead of Milwaukee. So I took a job that Barack Obama turned down. <laughs> Barack Obama challenged the establishment uh, when he ran against Bobby Rush, lost pretty bad. Yep. Basically the same percentage, faced a lot of the same opposition. There were leaders who said, oh, he's not he's not black enough to represent that district. That's what they told Barack Obama. And then he went on to run for statewide office and for the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is... I, I truly, you know, I, I, I don't say that just because I say that for, for many reasons. Yeah. So Scott Walker has the ham sandwich. Tony Evers has the egg McMuffin. If you had to eat one food every day, what would that be? Oh, man. Lately, the thing I have been eating almost every day or consuming almost every day is an oatmeal smoothie. Oh, oh, oh. Have you, have you tried one? No. So what do you mean? Oh, it sounds. Is there a gross. prejudice? It sounds like a prejudice. It you're, sounds, you're prejudging my meal options. It sounds gloopy. It is not gloopy. What you do? I, yeah, I almost gave away the recipe. <laughs> it's a secret I, recipe. It, it's not a secret, but it's a, it's a way that I do, it, and I don't need everybody else, you know. Okay. Riding the wave. Okay. Um, but yeah, that is that has been the thing, almost every day. It is so. It's, it's, Why? It's filling. It's, it, it energizes. You know, get the protein. You get the whole grains. Uh, it's okay. It helps, and it's it, there's a banana in there. So you got some fruit. Okay. Uh, there's peanut butter. I like those things. Yeah, I will not uh, tell portions because if that I tell you the be. portions, then somebody else may try to you know take my thing, and next thing you know, you got everybody eating a, eating an oatmeal smoothie or you know consuming an oatmeal smoothie. Sure. You can make it thick enough where you know, or you can eat it with a spoon, or you can make it not and have more. It could be more. In a straw. We don't use straws, Jesse. I was going to. This is 2018. I know. How dare you? Do you see the. <sighs> I know. Wow. I know. Well, I don't wow. know. Some people have like did, a did metal like, straw. Did, they... you like, did you like the floods? <laughs> did you like the floods? No, I didn't like the okay. floods. So you should stop using straws. <laughs> I try not to use straws. Mm-hmm. Um, but some things require a straw. Like? A Bloody Mary. Okay. Comes to mind. All right. Cool. <laughs> That's it. I guess. All right. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that. Okay. Because the, the, the ingredients get all, you have to stir it. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I mean, I guess you could put a stirrer. Hey, look, you know, whatever you need to justify you know, your environmental right. degradation. I'm, yeah, I'm no good. I drive a Honda CRV and I use straws. I know. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm here to help. Thank you. You're a good ambassador for the environment. You know, I was a conservation champion each uh, session of the legislature. <laughs> Yeah. Not for nothing, apparently. Not for nothing. Yeah. Here to bring awareness. <laughs> what are your pet peeves? People who just think their thing is just the most important thing in the world. <laughs> People who don't say, excuse me. Okay. Oh, man. You know, I was at Collectivo this morning, mm-hmm. and I was uh, in the line. I was, you know, bent over a little bit to see the uh, bakery offerings. Mm-hmm. And, like, a guy just walked past. And, like, hit, hit me in the forehead, basically. It's like, you know, you just say, excuse me. You know, your thing isn't that important. You only went to get some water. Yeah. So people that don't say excuse me, That's st- it stresses me out. Yeah, just use some it's manners. common courtesy. Just, just use some manners. Forehead bump is how the Cardi B, Nicki Minaj fight happened. Ooh, too soon. Too soon. How do you like to relax? Um, Lately, it's just been sitting at home. Yeah. Do you like binge anything on Netflix or anything I like that? I don't get to binge as much as I want to just because I can't. It's like I, I, I want to binge, but then I get caught just browsing. Yeah, that's a thing. 
browsing takes up so much time. Yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, well, you may also like this. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's rough. It's a challenge. It, it is a challenge. Too many I, options. I do play Clash of Clans. I still play Clash of Clans. What is that? Is it's a, it's a, it's a, is strat- that a su- superhero game? No. No, it's a strategy game. Okay. Puzzle game. Okay. Uh, I play that. and Oh, running. Yeah. Duh, that's my thing. That's, yeah. that's that's what I like to do to relax. You know, that's, <laughs> that is that is my me time. That's my personal time. When yeah. I'm with, but it's with my friends. You yeah. Know, we, have our, we have our group. Uh, we, we run. Uh, it is very fun because you get a lot of people who've never run before. Uh, you get some people who track athletes in high school and just gave it up mm-hmm. and you know just every level every level and it's it's fun it's camaraderie and after we run we we go have a drink it's the wisconsin way that's that is the way that is the way you know we are we earn it yeah we earn it and then you can have your oatmeal smoothie Th- that is a morning thing oh that is a morning thing okay you don't, you don't typically have it's that not like a night. dessert thing no okay it's not a dessert okay no it, it is uh it is for the morning to get your day started properly okay so okay i'm just i'm learning i'm learning okay i'm i'm here to teach uh do you have any pets i do not because i am pretty allergic Mm. to i know i know i know to a lot of animals rough (sighs) yeah it can be rough i would like to have a dog Mm -hmm. but i it is you know i'm not home enough either well yeah that's the other thing not home enough there are dogs that i am allergic to lots of things my dog is doesn't shed yeah so. yeah my grandmother had a poodle yeah uh i wasn't i don't think i was allergic to that but probably it's not. like yeah probably not but you know i i wish i had the time to take care of a pet but i don't someday maybe someday someday i'll get some stability about myself <laughs> maybe uh what's the best concert or your favorite concert that you've gone to there were a couple um i was just talking about them uh I went to a really great Edward Sharp and Magnetic Zeros concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, that w- it was just fun. It was an experience. Yeah. That guy just starts going in the crowd. Uh, Alex Ebert just gets in the crowd and just gets to going. He hands the mic to people. And it was it was a good one. It was an experience. Uh, there was also this show in, uh, in Atlanta. So I was at Netroots. And they had a couple people performing. And then it just came out. It just turned out to be like this Atlanta Legends concert. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, Big Boy came out. Goody Mob came out. Uh, even Bone Crusher came out. And it was just, it was, it was like a great show. And it was free. And it was unexpected. That's awesome. Yep. Do you know what your first concert was? Yeah, it was actually LL Cool J. Wow. At Jam for Peace mm. at, uh, at, at Summerfest in Milwaukee. And okay. uh, there's another person. There. I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, R. Kelly. Ugh. But, you know. Yeah. You know, we didn't know the things. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't we know. We didn't know it was that bad. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to talk about it. I just, I just mentioned LL Cool J. Yeah, that's better. I was there with my grandmother. Really? My grandmother. My parents made my grandmother take me. How old were you? I don't remember. I that don't remember. It's really funny. Yeah, but my grandmother had to take me. Yeah. So. So if you had a Wisconsin bucket list, something Wisconsin-y that you've never done. Ice caves. Ice caves, yeah. Ice caves. Yeah. That's so far away. It is very far. I was, we were just up there uh, last week. But um, yeah, wrong no. Wrong season, yeah. Have not a uh, wrong season. Yes. Yeah. They were not ice caves. Not yet. At this moment. But yeah, that would, that's probably it. Yeah, that'd be really cool. You ready for your last one? Let's do 
Favorite Wisconsin cheese? I, you know what? I really like Kobe Jack cheese. That's a great cheese. It is. It is a great cheese. You know, I, I, I like it. It's yeah. It's very reliable. It's very. It's a reliable cheese. Mm-hmm. It's versatile. Like you can, yeah, it's good. Like you can be on eggs. You can put it on a burger. You could just, you, know, you can just eat just some. Eat it. Like yeah. Just eat it. You yeah. Just eat it. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's a. It's, it's flexible. It's a utility cheese. Totally is. Okay. Closing words. Anything you want to leave people with? Um, no. This, this has been fun. Uh, this has been fun. The campaign has been fun. Uh, it's been it's been exciting. Right. It's been a great time. Uh, you know, I hope that people. Get a moment to to check us out, check out the campaign, see what we're talking about. Uh, we are doing things differently. We're doing things very different. And it has just been a joy to get around the state, even through the primary. And uh, now that we're in the general, just to feel the excitement in the rooms that we've been going to, different counties that typically haven't been as fired up. And, uh, yeah, just remember these two 48-and-a-half-year-olds just when you see us. I thought you were just one 48-and-a-half-year-old. Combined. Which, whichever way you want to look at it. Okay. Whichever way. Okay. That's fine. All right. That's cool. Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. We'll be back every week on Friday with new episodes, so make sure you're subscribed and tell all your friends to do the same. If you have feedback or suggestions, you can find me on Twitter at Jesse Opie, or you can email me at J-O-P-O-I-E-N at Madison.com. Next week, we'll be back with an interview with Wisconsin's Lieutenant Governor, Rebecca Clayfish. We'll see you then. Wedge Issues has been brought to you by wispolitics.com. There are plenty of benefits to becoming a member. You can go to wispolitics.com membership to find out more.